0: Howdy y'all, welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm
1: Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it.
0: You can't validate the implementation of your architecture unless content actually is there. And this is, it's so funny that we're talking about this. This is the chapter on my book that I'm writing right now. And I was talking with some other IAs in the industry to say, how do we make this distinction for for these types of deliverables? And my current, and this is a work in progress, uh, my current phrasing that I'm thinking about is platform independent deliverables. And those are things like PDFs a PDF is a PDF is a PDF. It, you know, it, it gets generated, um, you know, most folks generate it directly from the Ditto open toolkit into the PDF. It comes out with one file and, you know, it has some properties on it, hopefully, (laughs) Um, but it's done. It's it's cooked. Um, But the platform dependent deliverable is what we were just talking about. It's a deliverable whose appearance and behavior can vary depending on the end user's environment. And, It requires there to be another level of scrutiny. When I publish a PDF, I can go through and say like, yeah, all the content's here. The numbers are right. The footers are good. The covers are there. Yay. I publish something that's going to an LMS. Let's use that as the delivery. I have to publish the package. We have to load it into the LMS. And then I have to, or somebody has to go in and go through that course and make sure that the course you know, de- de- is deployed as it's intended to be deployed. The first hurdle, though, is did it make it into the LMS? And that that idea that we have these platform-dependent deliverables um, is not a conversation we've we've had before in the way I think we need to have it which is why I actually had to reach out to other people in the industry and and talk with them and say how how do we want to refer to these because I'm writing my chapters about you know validating the your design and then validating the implementation of the architecture you can't validate your the implementation of your architecture unless content actually is there cuz architecture is, is content in action so and then and and when I went to write this part on how do you validate that it got implemented, the exact scenario that you just described was the was the one that came to mind because it will publish. so you think your job is done, but it doesn't get to the destination. So, how do we avoid that? Because troubleshooting that is painful, and it's painful not just because there may not be good reporting on what, where the mismatch occurred, that pipeline may not have a good reporting mechanism. Uh, But it also comes down to people negotiating whose job it is to figure it out. And uh, everybody's busy. And so folks aren't jumping up and down going, oh, pick me, pick me to go troubleshoot why that package didn't show up in the portal where you're expecting it. Or any of that, right? And so you know, I do think that um, having automation is important. Having good reporting points is important. But if we can, I don't want to say guarantee, but if we can catch any of the things that will we know will cause it not to post correctly. Prior to publish, and this is where I'm a huge fan of not do- not just validation. Is it valid data? Well, of course it's valid data, right? Um, I'm, I'm assuming like that's how tall you have to be to get on the ride. But is it well-formed? And what does well-formed mean? And being able to run some type of a verification prior to publishing so that whoever is the person who is doing the publish and then sending that package down the pipeline will know that it has every possible chance of success of getting to where it needs to be and be, and be complete.
1: That is one of the big things over the horizon is like automating the process of knowing it's right. And like, if you look at, so you look at what our customers are doing and they are just getting into dynamically publishing tens of thousands of pages of content. Right. And I have not run into very many organizations That have done this in like a you know kind of structured organized way in the past like in the past it's been like you put a wiki out there and then you just look through the direction um yeah it's like yeah it's like like whatever like we have a wiki there's a lot of stuff in it it's fine it's fine don't talk to me about it la 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 la, la. like that was kind of that that's that was the the prior publishing strategy but now people are realizing that doesn't really work um and they have to be more coordinated and organized about it. So we're going from like chaos to order in this in this fashion. But it's not a small thing, right? And I think a lot of people like aren't giving it the the gravity that it, it deserves as they're getting into this.
0: But the good news well, I think part of it is is that A, they don't understand because they're still in the mindset of the platform independent deliverable. They're there's like, oh, you know, the did open toolkit spits out this thing, I'm done. No, 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 no. So the other part of this is that I don't think that even if they do recognize it, they don't know where to start. And, and so that's, again, one of the purposes of my book is to give them a blueprint for this, to say, here's where you go. And the first thing is you start with the management information architecture. You look at it and you say, what is the structure of each piece of content by its purpose? What metadata needs to be there upon authoring? And then you take it to the next step. What, pe- what information needs to be there and what metadata needs to be there? Upon publishing, when it leaves your management system through the DITA Open Toolkit or your, you know, whatever you're using for your data rendering, that initial processing to generate that package and making a recipe of it as much as possible. Because once you have a recipe, so let's say that uh, we're going to say that uh, it's a it's a, a troubleshooting guide. For like, I'll just use that one. Uh, a troubleshooting guide starts with what is the error that you've encountered. So it must have an error, and then it must have, you know, independent, let's say that you have a a, a product that is um, operating system specific. You must have at least one remediation task per operating system. That's the most minimal recipe there that you might have and and saying that, okay, and and then if they're operating specific topics, well then, There would have to be metadata on them that identifies their isness. I am a task for this operating system. And giving a recipe, because once we have a recipe, then we can validate with the folks on the delivery end, okay, if you get this, what does it need to have? And and are we in alignment? Once we're in alignment, then we can look at rules and testing. Um, You know, whether you're in an environment that supports Schematron or some other type of scripted test that that you can run on a deliverable prior to it leaving the system to head downstream to the delivery platform, if you could do, you know, and ideally it would be in batch because we publish hundreds and thousands of things depending on your organization every day. That we would be able to have this valid you know verification harness or, or or framework that would allow you to publish to basically pre-publish Is all the metadata correct? Is everything going to be in here based upon the recipe from the management information architecture? Because if you don't have the recipe, what are you going to test?
1: That is a great question to end with. Um, and this has been a delight. I am so happy that you came and chatted with us. Uh, we actually didn't get to one of the one of the questions, so maybe you'll have to come back and chat. I could have you back because you don't have your own podcast, so you have to borrow ours. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, and I, I, like, we don't borrow, we piggyback. Um, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be honest. You giving me a platform to talk about, obviously you can tell by by the enthusiasm in my voice, something I'm very enthusiastic about. And um, we need more information architects out there, and we need to have more folks understand the power of what a strong information architecture will do for your content and for your business. Because I don't think that folks understand that the success of that dynamic delivery doesn't start with technology. It starts with the architecture and understanding the structure and metadata that needs to be there in order for that technology to be able to present it to the end user in the desired way. And and that education process is an ongoing ongoing process but you know what happens when we we get through to all these executives and they're like oh gosh we need more information architects how do we how do we get more of of us out there and um and so that's, that's one of my missions for the next few years is to to get more folks from all those roles that we just talked about, to give them a path into confidence to be able to do the architecture that they're probably already doing, but just need to have more confidence that they're doing it in a repeatable and sustainable fashion.
1: I love it. That's a great mission. Well, Amber, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Um, the, uh, it's been too long this time around. We've been talking like what, a year Um, so we'll have to have you we'll have to be back soon here or coffee and content or someplace else um, but we'll definitely be in touch so it was a pleasure thank you so much for being here and let's talk soon